Hello, welcome to our latest EMA webcast. Uh, this is a webcast in the Dynamic Workplace series. Um, I'm John Bradbury from the People Experience team here, here at the EMA. And today I, I'm really pleased with the guest that we have with us today, uh, Lucy Sinamo-Jones, who is an organisational psychologist and works for a company called Talogy. Uh, with Lucy today, we're going to be uh, looking at some of the impacts on, on people and behaviour uh, and looking at some of the recommendations that Lucy and her colleagues have about how an organisation's leadership and people can navigate those challenges. Um, but before we get into the questions, maybe if I just ask Lucy to introduce yourself, your background and who Telegy are. Thanks, John. I'm really delighted to be here. Um, so as John mentioned, I work for a, a company called Telegy, uh, which is a globi globally connected talent management consultancy, uh, headquartered in the US, um, but uh, real focus kind of on building kind of capability within APAC region in New Zealand. Um, so my background is that I'm an organisational psychologist, and I'm really excited about Telegy's commitment to kind of understanding the insights you can get at that interception of technology and psychology um, and use those to help kind of attract, retain and develop talent. Um, so as an organisational psychologist, I guess my passion has always been about helping individuals and teams within organisations understand their behaviour a little better. Um, and by understanding your behaviour, you're able, able to better impact outcomes, which leads to organisational outcomes. Um, so my focus is on happiness at work, making sure people are really connected to what they're doing, and also ensuring that organisations get the best from their people. Very interesting. So sort of happiness, connection, getting the best best from people. Yeah. Um, sounds like things that everyone would probably want to sign up to. But I'm very conscious that, um, you know, with uh, COVID and the, the outcomes from, from that and the ongoing challenge, challenges that there are, um, those have perhaps been more difficult for people to, to achieve recently. What, what sort of trends are you seeing in those areas? Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I think that's the one word that's come up in relation to COVID, like we don't feel connected anymore. That's something I'm hearing a lot of people say. Um, and it's really interesting, right, because I think this kind of this need for connection, um, you know, we, we can get it other ways, not just being face to face. And I think particularly our big human experiment from March 2020 has taught us that actually if we can think about creatively ways to connect, we're able to bridge some of that gap at work. Um, I also think that it is a, a situation where people are evolving their thinking in this area. And so a lot of the, the research and the ideas that are coming out are very much about well how can we make this work for the future because we know that working in this new hybrid manner is the future of work it is what most people want um, there was a recent study by McKinsey that found the top three things that employee wants are flexibility work-life balance I prefer work-life integration as a term uh, and also well-being uh, so people want it but how do we achieve it while keeping connection strong and that is the big question absolutely so um, you know, within within this series, we talk about the dynamic workplace where we're sort of picking up on all these various terms of four day work week, mm. uh, work from anywhere, work, work from home, remote working um, and hybrid, which is what, mm. what you've just mentioned, which is a, which is a model many organisations have, have gone to. Um, 
where, where organisations are making a choice to go go hybrid, mm. what, what are the sort of issues that they need to think about in terms of their people and particularly mm. that issue about maintaining connection when perhaps people aren't in the office together? Yeah, I think that's a really good question and, and it's interesting you say that. I think a lot of organisations I'm speaking to are really trying to decide what hybrid looks like for them uh, and there's some organisations where hybrid is pretty easy. You know, you don't have people tied to factories or technology. They can actually work from home. So for those organisations thinking, what actually we do, do we need to enhance in terms of our leadership development or the support that we provide in order to get those best results? Um, and what I'm certainly seeing is that there are some kind of key pillars around what we can nurture in managers and leaders to help with that. Um, and those are pillars around kind of building trust and also around being inclusive. Um, so those two elements, if we can really focus on those um, with our people, it can really help enhance that feeling of connect connectedness and reduce also any feelings of exclusion, which can be easily done in the hybrid workplace. Gotcha. So sort of building trust and building in inclusiveness. Mm. Um, in terms of the, those, those sort of things, what sort of behaviours become mm. more important for managers in, mm. in doing those things? So those yeah. managers that do it well, what, yeah. what are the sort of skills or competencies that they have that enable them to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for um, with, with trust, uh, what we're really looking for is that real kind of uh, I guess understanding of what my people need. Um, so probably having kind of a, a bit of a sense of emotional intelligence about my people and myself. Emotional intelligence is all about kind of using my kind of understanding of myself to best manage my personality to be the most effective that I can. Uh, we also see around trust um, that really kind of the strong communication skills, making sure I'm connecting with my team regularly. Um, I'm having really robust conversations with them. Um, and it's really interesting, actually, with, with hybrid being an area that um, people are really focused on at the moment. We're seeing behaviours around trust um, coming out in kind of these more, these reset or relaunch discussions that managers are being sort of encouraged to have with their team if they have decided to move to hybrid. So in those discussions, a lot of tr trust evolves from clarity. So if I know we're going to be working these days a week together, um, and those are collaboration days, and then there'll be maybe a couple of days that are more concentration days from home. So on our collaboration days, what are we going to be doing? When are we going to be meeting? What does that look like? And on maybe more of our concentration days, well, how will we connect? And having clarity around those things does help to build trust, because I'm not wondering, well, what's John doing today if he's not with me in the office? or, oh, I'm waiting on that piece of work and it hasn't quite come through, or I'm on a team call on my at-home day and someone doesn't have their camera on, that can all erode trust. So kind of those strong communication skills, the clarity and having that emotional intelligence around your people, I think are really important. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of, you know, that greater emphasis sounds like on, on communication, the, mm. the need to perhaps communicate more frequently, uh, getting greater clarity around, around communication as a sort of manager or leader once you're working mm. in a sort of high, hybrid environment. Um, what, what about in terms of um, people? Mm. Um, and, and by that, I mean the employees rather than managers or leaders. Mm. What, what, what sort of challenges are there there for people working in, in, in a more hybrid environment? Mm. And again, what sort of skills become, you know, m even more important mm. to be good at? Yeah, I think the 
One of the main things, and I think this is this has come up particularly from from the COVID environment, is, is this this kind of resilience piece, this mm. piece around um, employees saying, "I would like flexibility, I would like more balance or integration," but it can get blurry, right? Like we can be working from home and have a sick child, or an or a dog that needs to be walked three times, or or other requirements on us. So I think um, sometimes as well, if we're not in the office, we might have trouble maybe prioritising a little bit at times if work's coming at us in a more hybrid fashion. So I think resilience is a really important thing um, for, for everyone actually to be focused on moving forward. And when I talk about resilience, it's not just about kind of traits within someone, you know, whether someone perseveres or they bounce back from setbacks. It's actually also having a really good appreciation for yourself about the resources you need to bounce back, um, because those are the things we can access daily. So, you know, if I am working in a hybrid way and, I, and I'm feeling like I'm working too many hours because so much is coming to me, um, what can I do to help me feel back to equilibrium? Is it about going for a run or talking to a colleague? And that's going to be different for everyone. So as an individual and then as a leader of individuals, how can I understand that better? That's really big. Um, the other thing I think for employees that, that I'm seeing people kind of want kind of a focus on is, is that learning agility piece. Um, and I link that with growth mindset a little actually. So, you know, in this environment of constant change and evolution, uh, how do I remain open to learning and to opportunity? Uh, and how do I take that on and apply it? Um, I think that often human beings, we're hardwired for threat. Uh, so our brains, when something comes at us that's new, is fight, flight or freeze. So we really want to be encouraging ourselves and also leaders of people to really look at it as, well, what could we learn from this situation? Or actually, we could do this differently and it could be better. I mean, look at what hybrids led to. Um, there are some better outcomes for some people in some organisations. So that kind of growth mindset, that learning agility piece is really important. And I think for individuals, the same thing, communication, really important behaviour that we need to be focused on. Um, and I think that that comes with its challenges when you've got different personality types and different preferences coming out. That can put a strain sometimes on the way hybrid works or doesn't work. Yeah, very good. Very interesting. Um, a couple of terms you used there, mm. learning agility mm. and, and growth mindset. Um, g- give us a little bit of an idea of what, what they look like, really, in terms of the people that are, are good or, or strong at these things. Yeah. What, what would it look like if someone has good learning agility? What would it look like if someone has strong growth mindset? Mm, great. So with le- good learning agility, what we'd be seeing is we'd be seeing people stepping up to opportunities to to do something different, learn something different, apply a new skill. Uh, You might see people be a bit more flexible with the way that they take on projects or or step into challenging projects. And you also might see a real application of learning. Um, So you'll see people kind of be able to take on that learning and then do something with it the next day, a real kind of openness to that. Um, What you'll see with growth mindset is you'll see a lot of language being used that is probably a bit more kind of optimistic than what I would refer to as a fixed mindset kind of threat response. Um, so with growth mindset, you'll you'll see people saying, okay, oh, we made a mistake. What can we learn? Um, oh, that was interesting that that went wrong, but what's the opportunity for us next time? Um, you'll see uh, growth mindset in particular builds trust, right? Because if you're able to say, hey, I've made a mistake. Can someone help me? Then you're more likely to be open. You're more likely to feel that someone's got your back. So they're all quite linked and 
terms of that foundation of trust that I mentioned earlier. Great. Okay, that makes sense to me. So as a, as a, as a leader, as a manager in an organisation, I might be looking to sort of be, build trust mm. and get my communication bit better with my team. I'll be looking for who in my team is sort of agile, yep. as, as you put it, in terms of prepared to pick up new mm. things and go with them. And it seems to be sort of more optimistic uh, and looking forward to things um, going on. What, what about people that are struggling with it all a little mm. bit more, all this change and working in different ways, not seeing their colleagues that used to be what am I likely to see them doing and, mm. and what do I need to do to kind of bring bring them along mm, it's a very good question and I think this is where um, we have this kind of interesting dynamic in the research and, and and I think what you're referring to a little bit is is a particular set of personality preferences which is introverted and extroversion is a good kind of way to, to talk to that. So the research shows um, that during uh, our initial lockdowns globally, um, extroverts did worse than introverts. They struggled. Uh, they weren't able to have the incidental energy building conversations at the water cooler or getting a coffee. Um, they weren't able to bounce ideas off their colleagues because they're not in the room with them. Whereas introverted preferences who get energy from internal reflective thought really thrive in many ways because they were able to plan their extroverted time. They didn't have to always be on and contributing in that way. Um, so when I talk to, to my, my clients and, and my colleagues, I often hear the extroverts saying, oh, we need to all be together all of the time. Um, and, and, and to a certain extent, yes, we know nothing can replace face-to-face. -face. And so when we are working from home and we are struggling, we need to get creative with connection. Um, and, and the research has shown this tension between um, giving people choice about the days they work um, and then the other tension of coordination. Um, so what it's suggesting is that as a team, we agree which days are we in together so we have that chance to connect and get that energy cup filled um, for the extroverts in particular. And then what are the days that we are at home so we can have that real deep concentration time and real fuel for the more introverted types. So that's a really interesting way to look at that and think about how to shape it. That makes that make, make, that's ring some bells with me really yeah. around things that happen to me. I've I've come into the office um, to attend attend meetings and then found that everybody else is on Teams for the meeting. Yeah. and yeah. Um, I'm sure others have had yeah. that sort of ex experience experience too. Mm. It's a little disappointing because I, I really did want that. You were all dressed chat up. You were well. ready to go. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so uh, that 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 makes sense to me. But it sounds like you've you've done work with a number of clients mm. around. Sort of helping them sort of navigate mm. those sort of challenges. Mm. What, what sort of work do you do to sort of help organisations to work through those things? Yeah, so we really focus um, sort of more on, on the skills and tools that, that need to be used to support this, mostly supporting managers and leaders mm -hmm. to help kind of support their people in doing it, this kind of new way of working this dynamic workplace. Yes. Um, but we, we do a lot of work kind of looking at, well, what's the research telling us around what we should be focused on? and then how can we kind of use that with our clients either in kind of a workshop manner or more one-to-one -one or webinars um, where lots and lots of people can attend and, and hear about those, those things. So it is very much a focus on kind of 
developing just an alternative toolkit um, within your management and leadership toolkit to be able to support this new way of working. Um, once hybrid's defined for that organisation, then it's, it's easier to then have those conversations and be able to think, OK, this is how hybrid looks for you. How best can we support it? Keep your teams motivated and engaged, but also ensure you're getting the benefits of hybrid because there are productivity gains and there are satisfaction gains as well that we've seen time and time again. Absolutely, yes. I've seen seen a number of bits of research mm. that, that point to very positive outcomes around uh, changes changes in work working patterns. Um, I'm always intrigued by that that though because um, often when you make change in the workplace, there's there's short term gains, but then the novelty kind of kind of wears off. So how do you sustain these sort of gains over time in terms of the sort of behaviour you would encourage in, mm. in managers, leaders, and, and staff? Mm, really great question. I think you do that by asking them. So I think what, what you do is you, you put in place a way of working um, and, you, and you, for example, we do you know three days at work in the office and two days from home and then we regularly ask our people, is this still working for everyone? Are, is everyone still motivated? Are we still feeling productive? Are we clear on our, what our outputs look like and therefore can we measure that from a more organisational-wide perspective? Um, I think a lot of the time we put something in place and we go, go, and then we go, oh, it's not working. So I think regularly checking in and actually finding out from, from people, is this working or do we need to evolve it? Does it need to change again as the world of work changes and as our, our needs as a business changes? So sustaining it, I think, really focuses on kind of you know, making sure people have the tools and the ways of doing it. But at the same time, do people still want it this way? Right. And that's where I think we can we can miss it a little bit. Okay, so it sounds like it's a sort of on, ongoing sort of yeah. story, and it sounds like what you're also saying to me is, as a manager, I shouldn't just be thinking about how I'm communicating out to people and the messages that I'm giving, but I should be asking them and checking in Absolutely. with them, and making sure there's a loop of, of feedback and, and advice from them on what's working and what's not. Absolutely, and I think hybrid at times can. You know, we can get worried mm. as managers and as leaders. And I think what I noticed, interestingly, as we went into to those lockdowns in 2020 was, you know, I had managers ringing me saying, what do I do with John, who's got this, not you, different John, who's got this performance issue that I've been meaning to deal with, but now he's at home and I can't see him and I can't have that conversation. So I think there is this tension um, around kind of, you know, having to then have, have conversations quicker, actually, and not wait for that performance issue to become an issue. If you're not seeing someone every day, how do I have those conversations to keep the momentum? Um, because it's more difficult to deal with if you're kind of not seeing people. You need to be able to think of ways to connect in that way. Yes, uh, yes. I think there's a slight cynic in me would say that, you know, Difficult performance conversations are ones that none of us actually want, want to have. So we, we often look for reasons to not necessarily mm. have them. Um, but it does sound like in, in the more hybrid environment, things can escalate uh, more, more quickly around that. Very much. Um, I, I'm intrigued because you mentioned about Telegy being, being a global org mm. organisation. And um, I, I would guess from that maybe you have worked with organisations overseas or heard mm. from colleagues perhaps mm. what's, what's happening overseas or seen re have some research around, around, around that. You know, are there any trends that perhaps in terms of, um, you know, how people are working and the sort of uh, ways in which to best support them in a hybrid environment that you've noticed in terms of your research or overseas mm. work that you think that would be really good if we were doing mm. that here in New Zealand? Yeah, I think that... 
Um, Talaji have recently done a really interesting future of work um, piece of research, which which was global and covered New Zealand as well. We had New Zealand representation in there, um, and they they identified out of that research that that leading hybrid and flexible teams was one of the top five challenges of leaders going into the future. Um, but but in, in line with that, they also emphasised um, the top kind of four things as leaders that if we develop, we're going to be better equipped to be able to manage this way of working and manage the future of work. Um, we've talked about a couple already, but useful to re-mention. So uh, the first thing that they mentioned was really important to nurture was this concept of growth mindset, growth mindset in self and growth mindset in others. So how do I uh, look at, at this as an opportunity to learn? Uh, the second area is looking at digital dexterity. So technology in itself isn't going to solve hybrid working, but it's a really important tool to enable connection, to enable conversation and enable clarity. Uh, so I, I, I encourage uh, leaders, managers out there to not become technical whizzes. You don't need to do that. Um, but just to be open to different technology out there. Um, I was talking to a client the other day and she was like, oh, I've got to do this brainstorming session with the senior team. Um, and she found this great um, application called Mural, which which does it all beautifully for you. So just being open to what's out there is going to be a really important tool to support that. Um, also emotional intelligence, which I've mentioned. Um, so very much focused on how do I remain connected to what's going on for my team. Uh, and that is harder when you can't see them all the time. Um, so you need to ask them more. You need to ask them more how they're doing and what they need from you. And that then builds into the final behavior, which is personal resilience. So as leaders, we are also working hybrid. We are also managing lives. And so we need to make sure that we are filling our cup as much as we can to be able to lead the change in others. Um, and I think that's what I'm seeing a lot of at the moment is a lot of empty cups out there. Um, so how do we remain focused on keeping our resilience up, as I mentioned before, something every day that enhances well-being in order to be able to manage and lead this change and be open and maintain growth mindset to support that as well. Very, very good. Yes, I think I think that piece about resilience is is so important. Uh, you know, I've heard people talk about resilience fatigue oh, and, yes. and that the need need to address that. And other people say, well, this is supposed to be back to the new normal, but actually, I've got this colleague off with COVID. This this other person has the flu. This other person can't get in today because something's happened in the family. And so people are quite quite kind of stretched. Mm. Um, and that kind of stretchness is, is kind of happening at a time where there's probably vacancies in, in organisations oh, yes. because of these challenges in, in recruitment yes. at the moment. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of intrigued just to go back to this piece around sort of personal characteristics mm. or behaviours. Um, when, when you're recruiting at the moment, mm. are there any things that are even more important than ever to kind of really look for, mm. um, perhaps in an interview or throughout the, your, your sort of uh, selection stage to look for and, you know, check in with, with those staff that you're bringing into your organisation? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it does depend a bit on, on the organisation mm. and expectations and the role, but I think those competencies I mentioned earlier about kind of communication, mm -hmm. learning agility, um, resilience. We want to really be understanding what do those particular behavioural competencies, and when I say competencies, I mean sets of behaviour that are really important for results. Um, so what about those competencies? What does that mean for 
this environment we're working in in this organisation. So for example, if I complete a personality questionnaire um, and I come out as being quite reserved in my communication style, preferring to, to keep things to myself, uh, in the interview and the onboarding, I'd be one of finding out, well, how will you do that? You know, when you're in your at-home days and maybe the team isn't around, how will we make sure we're connecting regularly? Um, how can we ensure that you share your ideas if you aren't um, in the room? Um, or if someone is profiling as, as an individual, for example, that is less open to change or learning opportunities, what impact does that have for you? Um, can you give me an example of when you've actually learned something and the impact that had? So finding out based on those areas that I've mentioned, what does that mean for that individual? Therefore, what is the risk to my organisation and my team? That's, that's a really good answer because I was quite worried that it was going to be a case of, well, if people aren't good at these, then they're really going to be quite no. risky to take on. And no. obviously at the moment, with it being such a talent short market, yeah. you don't want to do no. that. Um, what you seem to be doing is saying, well, um, you know, understanding a person's preferences and their like, likely behaviours in the workplace and then thinking through mm. how you can make sure that they can still perform at their best and that you support 100%. them in those things that might they might not so naturally do. Absolutely. So, it's yes. all about just deciding and managing, well, how will we make this work? You know, what are the things we're going to have to dial up or dial down to ensure this person is successful? And they're happy <laughs> and the team's happy and it works. <laughs> yes. Um, when, when you talk to, to, your, to your clients about sort of working in a sort of hybrid, mm. hybrid environment, because that's the one that you've you sort of referred to mm. the most, that, you know, when your clients come to that, what, what do they, why are they typically making that change to hybrid, uh, do you mm. find? Is it because they, they feel that they need to do it for recruitment purposes? Is it about retaining people? Is it about um, improving well-being? Um, or, or is it about just trying to increase productivity? Um, all of the above. Uh, I was worried <laughs> that, that. I was You've worried done that. a beautiful <laughs> job. It's all of the above. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think generally, um, what we're seeing and, and research vitality showed that you know four out of five CEOs expect hybrid working now. They just expect right. it. That's something that that is given. And I think it is a bit around the research resoundingly saying people liked being at home. There mm. were the gains that they got in terms of less commute, didn't have to do their hair specifically, mm. um, didn't get dressed up, you know, all of these things that actually added to their day. So so on average, employees got an hour back each day um, during that COVID lockdown period and, and 30 minutes more that they gave to their workplace. Um, so there was productivity gains that that um, organisation saw. We're also seeing, I'm hearing organisations saying, well, I don't want to spend this much on real estate when I don't have to. You know, if I can scale the office a little bit, that works for us as well. Um, but there is a sense it works. There is a sense it's the future. So therefore, that real kind of how do we make it work is, is a hot topic that we're talking about all of the time. Right. So that, that how to make it work. Now, I, I would assume that you work quite a lot with sort of HR managers in, mm -hmm. in organisations. Uh, and I would guess that you've probably come across some HR managers who, um, you know, are looking to help the organisation move to a hybrid sort of work environment mm -hmm. or to move to an alternative work environment to help with all these things around recruitment, well-being, um, retention and productivity. But perhaps coming up against resistance mm. from more senior managers. Um, mm. what, what sort of advice do you tend to do, give, give them or what sort of things have you seen work to help shift the dial in, in those mm. sort of conversations? Yeah, that can be quite tricky to manage. Mm. Um, I think there is um, 
quite quite a lot of kind of conversation and facts that need to be presented in that way. I think the re- as I mentioned, there is so much research showing. Um, that we are in a talent-type market, we need to keep our talent, and that people want more of this. Um, And I'm seeing lots of organisations do their own hybrid surveys or or return-to-work surveys and really seeing, actually, yeah, that is what people want. So I think using the data to tell a story is really important. And then I think probably stepping into that fear and actually helping those leaders become equipped with how they will do it. So ensuring that they have the tools themselves to then be able to speak to it and feel confident about it. A lot of the time it's just a bit scary. It's a new thing. Like, how am I going to do this? When I've been focused on seeing my people at work at their desk typing, there's a focus on inputs. So we want to shift the dial to a focus on outputs. So that's through this kind of, you know, change in mindset around it through it's actually what people want and there are some skills that can help you. Right. So it sounds like really some putting some sort of facts and some real benefits on mm. the table and helping to sort of articulate those. Um, so, you know, a lot of our, our members, small to medium mm. size, size enterprises. So, um, you know, for an organisation, perhaps 100, 140 people um, sort of working uh, in, in Auckland. Um, just just thinking about that, what, what could, what would be your top sort of advice to mm. a manager in that organisation that, that thinks that hybrid will be a benefit to the organisation? Mm. What are the sort of top two or three things that they should do to, to make that work well? Yeah, that's a great thought. I think um, I think kind of getting established on what your hybrid model is is number one. I think I, I'm working with a few organisations that are still kind of flip-flopping around that and that's difficult to then work with. So getting clarity on what that looks like And then I think it's about encouraging your managers across the organisation to have these reset or relaunch conversations with their teams. Um, So, for example, our agreement is we're going to be doing this this three and two. Um, So how do we want the three and two to look? Getting them involved, actually, and creating a plan around that so that they feel really engaged and excited around it and they see benefit in it. Um, I then think it's a really conscious effort on keeping trust really high within the team um, and that's about having very regular check-ins, keeping your one-to-ones high, making sure your team meetings are really productive. Research has shown that one-to-ones actually work really well on Zooms and Teams. Uh, Team meetings should be in person ideally if we can make that happen. Um, And then it's about really practising inclusive leadership, so making sure that um, we're aware of the biases that can come up, uh, like proximity bias which is if I've got some people in the room and some people on a camera, I might forget about the people on the camera. I tend to prefer the people in the room. It's just a human thing. Um, Or presenteeism bias, which is if I'm not in the office a lot, then um, I might get a bit forgotten. Uh, So how as a leader do I make those people that for whatever reason I'm not seeing as regularly feel like they're still really important and critical? Um, And and those kind of elements can really help launch this in a really successful way. Uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting because you start off with really some high level concepts mm. there around sort of trust and communication, mm. um, but then it loops into some very practical things mm. that that people can do and the consequences of not not doing them well. Yeah. So um, that that's very helpful. Um, you know, in terms of the organisations that you've worked for, mm. with, um, you don't have to name who the organisation yeah. is, but. Could you give us an example of somebody you think has done it really well from the mm. point of view of managing their people through this sort of change and what, what they did to do that? Mm, yeah, I can I can definitely think of a few. I think um, 
the way that they did it was was to really focus on this quite early on. Mm. So it was, was sort of end of last year, there was a sense that there'd be a return to work um, beginning of this year. So having conversations as an executive team about their stance and being very, very clear on that from the start. Um, once that start, what stance was established, starting to... Um, kind of at the same time survey the people within the organisation to find out what they wanted and then aligning that. Um, so they had got a straw man of what it was going to look like and then they kind of altered it depending on, on the organisational response. Um, and then from that created a, a very, very clear manager toolkit about this is the stance, this is how we're going to do it, here is how we'd like you to have the conversations, here is the timing. Um, and then uh, utilising us as a partner to come in and teach the skills of how to have those conversations how to build trust, how to um, show inclusivity um, and how to be aware of those areas as a leader I need to develop and pay attention to um, and then uh, helping the HR team partnering with managers where they needed to have those conversations with their teams and then begin that rollout. So very kind of considered but also employee driven as well and then utilising those skills also. Okay, so there's a mixture of sort of top down and, and yeah. bottom up, and it sounds like where where you help the most is really in in the middle of mm. that in terms of the skills that become most under the sort of microscope and most important at that that's stage, right. and and helping people to develop those. Yes, that's right, and I think that's where sometimes the fear can come. Like I don't know how to have that conversation with my team. What if they yell at me? What if one of them wants to start home? One of them wants to go to work? So it's just trying to kind of break that down a little bit and think. Okay, well, how can you have that conversation and get everyone motivated and aligned, which is what we want at the output. Fantastic. So you've obviously got a wealth of um, experience in this area and a wealth of research sitting behind behind what you've done. And um, what, what, what I what I just sort of sort of wonder is, you know, one or two kind of absolute mm. key things, key messages that you think are really important for organisations, um, you know, moving to sort of a hybrid or, or more flexible working patterns. Mm. So I'd say hybrid is the future. I think it is something that is not going away and I think it will continue to evolve um, over time. So help your people get comfortable with it. Um, equip your managers and leaders in particular because they're going to have to drive that change with the skills they need. Um, and also really talk to your, talk to your wider organisation, find out how it's going tweak it if need be. Uh, we are now living in a world of work where things are changing constantly. So how do we make sure we're, we're really understanding whether something's working or not? We want to collect the data in order to inform the next step. Um, so those are the things I'd say. Very good. So I'm sort of taking away from this absolute importance of building trust Absolutely. in an organisation, looking at the skills to do that, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that communication is very much two-way in yeah. terms of letting people know this is the direction we're going going in, but checking in with them mm -hmm. about, about what's happening and still always keeping the eye on the sort of prize of what, what are the outcomes that we're driving mm -hmm. for as an organisation. Absolutely. Perfect. Okay, well, um, thank you very much for taking us through this today. I think that's been absolutely fascinating in terms of the terms that you've brought, brought to the table and the, the ideas and the experience that you've helped us with. Thank you so much. It's been really interesting for me as well, so thank you. Okay, thanks very much for coming. So um, 
that's that's the end of uh, this EMA cast. Um, obviously, I'd like to thank Lucy very much for coming. I think it was a fascinating, fascinating conversation and lots of ideas there of things for us to do. Um, there will be more episodes in, in this series, and uh, we do very much look forward to talking to you some more um, about uh, meeting the challenges of the dynamic workplace. Thank you very much.